Hello and welcome to another episode of the Massage Matters podcast. Thank you for joining us once again with the Massage Collective, myself, Matt Scarsbrook, Anna-Maria Mazzieri and Becky DeMolt-Horton as we continue our slightly new format of having a couple of short bite-sized based podcasts and then our one long feature length, which is what we have for you today. So this month we are looking into social media and we have brought in a guest for this episode where we're going to be talking about social media specifically for business from the perspective of massage therapists. So just before we get stuck in, I'm just going to apologise a little bit for the audio. It's come across a little bit squiffy this time, not quite sure what went wrong with it. It's not up to our normal high standards, but I've been through. It is perfectly listenable to. I just apologise if it's a little bit sharp every now and again. Otherwise, enjoy and we'll hand over to Becky and Katie. So to help us out today navigating the weird and wonderful world of social media, we have asked Katie Warburton to join us. Um, Katie is a soft tissue therapist who has taken a real interest in helping especially newer therapists navigate this this world of social media. Um, And, you know, she's much better looking than Anna. So we booted Anna out and got Katie in. Uh, So Katie's going to be joining us today. Katie, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got interested in this side of things? Uh, Hello, everyone. Thank you. Um, So forever I've been in the health and wellness space. I did a degree in, I wanted to be a physio actually when I was younger. I wasn't academic enough to get the grades to get into university. Did health and sports studies instead, got a job in a gym was a personal trainer, did a bit of massage, did holistic massage, thought I was going to cure the world with reflexology. Sad that I didn't, thought everyone else was doing it wrong. Um, But um, then did a bit of travelling, came back, did some more qualifications and found the holistics a bit too, um, you're just kind of rubbing oil on skin and um, there wasn't enough of it. So I wanted more, I wanted something that was a bit more evidence-based where I could create a definite change in people that they got off the couch and really could notice a difference in their movement and all those things. And I was personal training people who had injuries that I was then passing off to a physio. Um, And I thought, you know, I could probably deal with some of these things because the physio would come back and and tell tell me what they could do. So then I decided to do the course and used to travel down to Bristol to do Anna's course. And that was, I think, 2014 or 2015. Um, and then since then, so I had my own practice. Since then, I've now got a busy facility. Uh, the noise that you might hear in the background is the yoga class that's just about to start. I've got seven teachers, I think, three other therapists and three support team um, in a, a nice centre where we offer yoga, Pilates, Tai Chi, different workshops across different themes, Pilates, yoga, pelvic floor, happy hips, feisty feet and better balance and that sort of thing. So essentially people can learn about the self, they can learn about their bodies, they can learn about the discipline of yoga and Pilates, plus we've got all of the, we have a big range of holistic and um, sports therapy and we've got structural integration as well. Um, So we offer a lot of things. I fell back in love with holistic therapy when I realised just how much everybody loves having that time away. 
and likes lying on a couch and letting someone look after him. So the combination for us works really, really well. Fantastic. Now that that sounds brilliant, and that it it's quite. I think I'm right in saying it's quite unusual for a soft tissue therapist to have such a large facility that they run themselves. Um, it's it's more common, I think, to find soft tissue therapies working in multidisciplinary teams run generally by a physio. Um, so it's awesome to hear, you know, what you've what you've built yourself, Katie. Yeah, um, and it was something that, from a personal training background, I knew that people needed the combination of exercise. Because it doesn't matter how much oil I rub on your skin or whatever technique I'm using, um, whatever stretch I do or whatever exercise I give someone to go home with, they won't do it. And it was always the adherence to exercise that we struggled with. And I knew that it was our clientele is mostly women. And our, our average client is a 52-year-old woman who is heading for retirement at some point or is, getting, is looking forward to retirement. Uh, whether in 10 years or, or closer, and they're usually looking after generations above and below, and that um, demographic needs looking after because they're the ones that are looking after all of their family, and they need somebody else to look after them. Um, and that's what happens in our studio. They walk in, and um, we do everything for them. Um, you know, And that's what it's all about. And I think in physio clinics, it is very much... Um, it's kind of a bit more transactional that the, you go in with a specific problem and you have that problem dealt with in whatever manner and uh, you come away and the transaction is over at whatever point the client or the um, therapist decides that that is over. Whereas us, we want to build the relationship and have people coming back so we have memberships for all sorts of things. Um, and it's that building the relationship that was really important to us and that's allowed the business to grow and keep going through the pandemic, which was vital. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's given, you, <laughs> given you something else there to help you through that, hasn't it? That's amazing. So um, because you've, you with a, a, another lady from the ISRM, you've set up this um, course to help therapists with their, their marketing and their social media strategy. So what... What made you get interested in that and start to try and help other therapists in that in terms of doing that? Yeah, so that's me and Vanika, who is the admin for the ISRM, and her husband has just qualified uh, with the LSSM. So she sees it from uh, her husband's point of view um, and sees um, the struggles that he has and the enjoyment that he has with his business. Um, and she knows all the background and she speaks to a lot of the students so she knows what they're going through particularly as they're coming to the end of their um, course um, and it's more than social media where we don't actually talk about social media on it what we do is talk about what is important to the um, therapist in terms of how they run their business so we talk about values we talk about money mindset which is really important and we talk about uh, self-worth and once you have those foundations, that's when you can start to um, market yourself. So a lot of the people that we speak to are, uh, or that I've spoken to over the time are really scared about putting themselves out there. What if I say something and some troll, and this is what I've put on one of the polls recently, what if I get trolled? What if some idiot decides to argue with me? And there are plenty of them out there. What am I going to do? I don't, I don't know if I'm strong enough to be able to cope with that happening and what will that do to my business what will that do to my reputation and it can be a bit scary um, that's that is one of the this really unique 
role that social media seems to play now, isn't it, Katie? And that you are, if you, if you are a business owner, it is a source of marketing by definition. But usually, particularly in the realms of sort of Facebook, your personal account tends to drift into talking about business. I know mine, mine essentially is one and the same now. Um, and so you've got to be really cautious about, about the persona that you want your clients to see or potential clients to see, but also the persona that you, you know, you might have with other therapists or even totally unrelated friends and family. So how, how, how do you, how do you suggest people sort of start navigating that? Well, I think I was 26 when when I joined Facebook, and I'm 42 now. So it's been around about 16 years. It's been around, and it's been through many, many phases. And I think originally people thought that it was their own personal website, and uh, and it kind of is in some ways, and that they could put anything that they want on this personal website of theirs and not be touched, and then be offended when people, and, and friend everybody in the world, people who they've never met before, and then get offended when someone started commenting on things. But you, but you have to remember that whatever you're putting out, and if you're, if you're friending thousands and thousands of people you've never met, and you're putting out stuff which is controversial for whatever reason, then you're bound to get somebody um, comment on it. Um, so you've got to remember that whatever goes on your social media is is you're happy for it to go um, out to whoever sees it. And whether you like it or not, your clients are going to want to friend you. So I say to our team, um, it is entirely your choice whether you friend them or not. Um, and um, and people get offended by silly things like, oh, she's friended her and not her, and he's friended her, and blah, 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 and I saw this. And it does get really, really silly for adults. These are grown adults. Um so I say to our team, it's completely your choice. But bear in mind, whatever you put on your Facebook page reflects on us. So if it's not appropriate, then we will be having a conversation about it. And employers across the board are looking at this now. They're looking at all social media platforms. You can't just say something really inflammatory and expect to go into work and not have a conversation about it. But it is a social platform. So you kind of... If that's who you are, if that's part of who you are and you want to put something on that is controversial, that's fine. But you've got to be able to deal with it. So if you don't want to deal with something that's controversial, then don't put it on. Just don't. So it's almost like coming to a point now where I suppose certainly, well, from my perspective now, I view all of my social platforms, not that I'm active on many of them, but all my social platforms as an extension of work. And I try and think them of work first and personal second um, and almost use the messenger type apps that keep everything away. And it, and I know who the messages are going to, theoretically. Um, that's where I'll, I'll have the banter. And I almost now, you know, I, I've been thinking, actually, there's a load of stuff on my Facebook page from, you know, back when I was at uni and probably probably stuff I wouldn't really want out there that maybe it's time to go back and remove some of that junk and actually just subtly try and make my my profiles a bit more business wise you can but you've also got to remember and I mean this in the nicest possible way Matt who really is going to go that far back and go Matt just assumes that Everybody will want to troll back through 20 years of social media posts. <laughs> I've seen the photos that you pull up each year for Anna's birthday. You've got to have been going back <laughs> far for those. So I'm, I'm, I'm on to you. 
they're, they're kept in a special folder, embarrassing Anna Maria photos. But I'll point out at this point that, it, that um, you can't be all vanilla as well. Like, you've, you've got to be someone that's got an opinion because if you're that person that is sat on the fence about everything, then that, share, that goes to your... Your clients will see that, whether it's personal or professional. Your clients will see it and they'll think, oh, this person's really bland. So if they want to go to a bland uh, therapist, you are the right person. But if you want to go to someone who is perhaps pushing boundaries and looking for new things, um, and not not being um, not being vicious and not being derogatory to anyone um, or anything like that, but if you're just you know being curious about stuff. Um, and you're prepared to have an honest conversation and back yourself up and be open to new stuff, then there's nothing wrong with sharing an opinion. Absolutely. So just thinking about practicalities a little bit, obviously there's, I'm going to, I'm going to show my um, age here as a, as a geriatric millennial, which apparently is what I'm classified as. (laughs) That's a new one on me and I heard that. Yeah, apparently we're geriatric millennials. Steady um, with the Wii, steady with the the Wii. (laughs) Obviously, there's various social media platforms out there now, everything from Facebook to um, TikTok to LinkedIn to all that kind of stuff. Do therapists need to be over everything all the time? How do you approach it from a, a new therapist who wants to kind of build a social media presence? How do you know where to go do you need to be everywhere all the time how do you deal with that because it could be a full-time job couldn't no, it absolutely could um so think about where your clients might hang out is the main thing so i don't go on tiktok can't be bothered i am 40 years too old i'm sure to be on tiktok and my clients are not interested on in it i our demographic is 50 plus women around that um, so we're not likely to attract an 18-year-old who wants to go to yoga or an 18-year-old who wants to go for a treatment. That person is likely to come from a referral. So Facebook, for sure, our demographic are on Facebook. Majority of people, I think half of the population of the world is on Facebook. Uh, that, and I think that's a fact. If not, it's about a third of the population of the world. So people who say, oh, I'm not on Facebook, absolutely, they will click on your... They will they hear about you and they want to know they'll go and search on you on Facebook so it's worthwhile having a profile on Facebook Instagram's good I like it because it's pictures I like pictures I'm easily uh, drawn in (laughs) Um, Twitter I think we have a profile but we don't use it Um, LinkedIn can be useful as an individual but apparently it's not very good for for businesses Um, but you can use it as an individual particularly if your clientele is um, bearing in mind it's a work platform. Yeah, so it's more you, corporate, isn't it? Yeah, so if you're targeting, targeting either corporate wellness is one thing, or desk-based type people, they're more likely to be on LinkedIn. Um, so if you want people in the construction industry, probably LinkedIn's not the place, but if you want um, academics or sales teams or people like that, for sure get on LinkedIn and, and start conversations and start interacting with people. Um, it's also fairly safe in terms of you probably won't get trolled there as much as you would on Facebook. Um, you're likely to get trolled, but um, you know, definitely not as much. It's just a, a, what I call a grown-up Facebook, really. It's more, <laughs> more normal conversations. Um, yeah. Very nice to each other. Um, it kind of had that... It, it had that 
because it was a overtly a workplace yeah. platform it, it kind of had that professionalism that I think Facebook never had and now everybody's going oh bugger I need to yeah. make this look professional because now I'm using it for work yeah yeah exactly um so yeah we mostly use Facebook and Instagram you definitely don't need to be on more you can there are there is something uh what is it called Hootsuite which mm-hmm. is mm. something that you can create one piece of marketing or one post and you can have it posted to three different platforms for free or you can pay for an upgrade and it goes out to several different platforms so we used to use it and it was facebook linkedin and twitter and we barely use linkedin or twitter uh, so it kind of just went out for facebook which is fine but it does mean that the same message goes out across so yeah um, yeah in the therapy space, it's quite interesting that Twitter does seem to be predominantly the, I'm going to say like the graduate therapists. So it's, it's, it's your physios and your osteos and your chiros. They seem to be the ones that hang out on Twitter and perhaps um, uh, sort of uh, patient voices. But I very, very rarely see any like potential client joining in in those conversations. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, they're very... They're very much into professional conversations on Twitter. Yeah. I say conversations. Yeah. They're not always <laughs> I don't think they're always quite as polite as conversations, are they? Um but but yeah, on Twitter. So then in terms of I mean the the next kind of thing you always hear from ther or I always hear from therapists. I don't know what your experience is, Katie, but it's like I know I need to be on these platforms, I know I need to be posting, but I have no idea what to post. So like It always strikes me that if you like run a cafe, it's quite easy, isn't it? You post a picture of the cake that you're selling that morning or, you you know, you've you've got an item there to sell. And I guess for for us as therapists, it's tricky on two things. A, what you're doing with the person is not something you necessarily want to whip out a phone and say, oh, can I just grab a quick picture of this for for Facebook? And two, you know, we talk about being evidence-based therapists and that's the image we want to portray to people, which is kind of difficult to do when you're trying to create a post that's attention grabbing. So how do you, that's a massive question, sorry, Katie, and you're free to break it down. How do you go about, or how should therapists go about thinking about the content that they want to post? Okay, so you said we're trying to portray ourselves as evidence-based therapists. Tell me what that means to you. Oh, Ooh. I love it. I love <laughs> it when you put, when people put us on the spot. Okay, so I'm not, for me, the key priority of that, when I'm talking to my clients especially, is that I'm not claiming I can do anything that I can't. Okay. So I can't, I can't, manipulate them and make their legs the same length or change their posture through a massage or lengthen a tissue or or have some sort of intervention that's going to make a structural mechanical change in them I guess that's that would be my short answer good thank you um so um first of all always use a picture in your Facebook post because whatever you're doing this is what people do they scroll or some if you know, if you're on your phone. Um, I use my iPod, I never go on my phone, but whatever. <laughs> for, those, for those of you who aren't, in fact, in the room with us right now, you, or, <laughs> Katie is sitting there scrolling on the screen in front of us. So. <laughs> Just in case you don't know. Uh, so you need them to stop what they're doing and look. So in some ways, it doesn't matter what picture you put. Um, so I've put, um, I might have done this on the ISRM, 
or I've definitely done it all over our um, social media and I've done it in other groups before and I've put a picture of a dog just for attention and I've just put a picture of a dog. By the way, dogs and pets in general always get attention. Um, they always... My dog is exploited <laughs> consistently for my social media content. <laughs> and if it works, then that's what matters. If I, if you put a picture of a cup of tea and that works, me doing this, if that gets the attention and then you talk about migraines, who cares what the picture is, but it's made them stop. So it's got to be a picture that makes someone stop. Now, um, you can kind of test this. So you might do a month of say, right, I'm going to do my face. I'm just going to do big, stupid pictures of my face. And then the next month, I'm going to do a picture of a blanket. And then the next month, I'm going to do something else. As long as there's something that links it to your business. So everything in our space is purple. So it would be a purple thing for us. Then, um, then you've kind of got consistency in that way and you've got them to stop. And then you can see, oh, they always stopped at pictures of my face, but they never stopped when they saw the blanket. But they did stop when they saw the cup of tea. So you can just sort of keep an eye on that sort of thing. The other thing is, um, use language that your clients use. So I once saw a, a picture, an advertisement in a magazine. Do you suffer from cervicogenic headaches? Or do you suffer from cervicogenic migraines? No one, no one is going to go, me. No one is going to say me because nobody near where this advert was posted had a clue what they were on about. So the next month, they had an another one that says, do you have tension headaches? And I'm sure they got loads of calls. So mm. just using the language that your clients use. So we say things like uh, dodgy back, dodgy knee. How many times has a client come in and said, oh, my back went last week? Use that as a headline in quotation marks because you're not lying, you're not selling anything that's wrong. You're saying this is what people say to us and it will get someone's attention. So that top part of your post, uh, the picture and the top part of your post is getting someone's attention. So I've said things like, our clients have said to us before, my back went last week. And then underneath, I'll then go on to explain, where did it go? Who knows? And then talk a little bit more about this is a term that is used when people experience this kind of pain. We can help with that. We can help you feel better. Call us and find out more. Um, so a lot of our wording is around feeling better or feeling good or um, more like yourself and me time and things like that. But it's things that clients have said to us. Um, I felt like I could spring off the couch or I've got new legs, and things like that. So it's absolutely non-clinical whatsoever, but it means something to the person reading it. And then later on down the post, you can then give a bit more of a sound explanation. Like like someone might say, oh, I went to the physio and he said my back, uh, I'd uh, got a bulging disc or I'd got a slip disc. So you might write at the top, have you been told you've got a slip disc? And then underneath you can go, look, technical information, we know that this is just a phrase that is used, blah, 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 and you can go on to explain. But the fact that you've written slip disc, someone watching it, someone reading it, will identify and will understand what slip disc is. You might write underneath it, we now call it X, Y, and Z, because language is really important, blah, 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 this is what we call it. So you want to get their attention, and then underneath is where you give the actual evidence-based information if you like so that's one way of getting across difficult things but the like i did a 
I think for Instagram, I did a challenge last year for Instagram and posted every day up. And sometimes it was a picture of a cake that I was eating. Sometimes it was a picture of the couch. Sometimes it was a picture of the wall. Sometimes it was a picture of me. And it was just really to have consistency. And um, it doesn't really matter what your picture is as long as um, you can make it relevant somehow or it consistency to your brand. Did you, uh, mm. with that challenge, did you see a measurable change in the response rate that you, you had through that, that channel as a result of the, your, your Instagram challenge? Or is it something that you sort of play, played with to see and, and actually it would be something you'd have to maintain for longer? Um, if I was a really dedicated marketeer, I probably would have created a spreadsheet and seen how many people liked it or whatever. I'm not a very dedicated, dedicated marketeer. I'm a very dedicated uh, therapist. Thank you very much. <laughs> so, so I just did it to... to um, all of those platforms like consistency. And I think that's what um, what I hear from therapists is, they don't have the time. I've been speaking to someone today. Yeah. I don't have the time to do that. I don't know what to write. Um, a video is brilliant. And for many, it's really scary going on video. But once you've done it a couple of times... Um, you know, it does become a lot easier and you waffle loads and no one really cares because no one really listens to half of what you say anyway. As many may have tuned out already to me. Um, <laughs> you can, there are tracking devices within Instagram and within Facebook, but I'll be honest, I just can't be bothered. I just want to keep that consistency. I just want to do something. Because then if you decide to put out an offer of some dis- description, um, it gets seen by more people. So the more mm. often you're on it, the more Facebook and Instagram will, because it's the same thing, Meta, let's call it, Meta will show it to more people because you're using their platform and that's what they want. They want to get you on there and keep you on there. Here's a little tip, which I've discovered recently. If you have a click to booking system or a click to anything, a click to apply, put it in the first comments because Meta want you to keep stay on their platform. So if you've got um, fill in our application form for a treatment and you put it in the bulk of the post, they won't show it to many people because Meta want you to stay on Meta. I've had I've had similar issues when using Facebook to push YouTube videos. Yes. Because if you put the YouTube link and it comes up with a video, then it, it, it gets very little organic growth simply because or organic reach, I should say. Uh, yeah, because you are by definition leaving Meta's infrastructure yeah. ecosystem. It's, it's stuff like this that's so, I mean, it is a minefield, isn't it? Someone was explaining something to me about how Google's changed just recently and I'm there going, okay. And I think that's probably, this is the thing, isn't it, Katie? It's finding, for for most therapists, I think, it is finding that balance because we could all be marketing our businesses all the time and actually we'd never have any time for our clients or to be a half decent therapist and like you say I think that response you had then and that comment you made then is what what you hear from so many therapists my job and my priority is to be a good therapist to my my clients I know this is a necessity so it is about finding balance I guess isn't it between I've got to do this to get myself out there but equally, this can't be my whole job. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you could, you can schedule posts on uh, on Facebook. So you could do a month of scheduling on one particular day. If you have anyone in your family, teenagers are particularly good at this, I hear, <laughs> get them to schedule a bunch of stuff. 
Um, that's one way of getting around it. The other way of getting around it is paying someone to do it for you because there are lots of people. There's a platform called Fiverr, which is F-I-V-E-R-R.com, and there's another one called People Per Hour um, where you you can find someone on there who will do that, who will just post a load of stuff for you. The danger is, unless you create that content, they could post anything. Um, mm. So there is still the issue of you've still got to create the content in the first place. Um, or the other thing is update it once a fortnight because at least you're on it and people are looking for up-to-date information so um, if your Facebook page still says closed for the pandemic because you just haven't been bothered to go on it perhaps now's a good time to get back on it and put a fresh picture up Um, just every couple of weeks putting something on putting something on that's new and using it as a website rather than constantly posting so um, it's just a reference point so people can see that you're open, some nice pictures of your clinic, a picture of you, a picture of your dog, a picture of the cake, whatever you like, just something um, so that people know you're still alive and you're still working um, is plenty. Um, in which case I, wouldn't, I probably wouldn't bother with Instagram, I'd just use Facebook as your webpage. And then use other things. Yeah. Social media is not the only... Um, platform to market it's just free and relatively easy because to pay to have a load of leaflets delivered to create the leaflets to do the posters to do all that thing it's all time and money um, and social media is free so it's just another just a, another way come over i really like that point that you made katie about um using the language that your clients use when you're when you're posting because I think this this for me was something that and it leads on to something else we wanted to touch on it for me and especially when I started as a therapist where I got tied up in knots a little bit was I think I forgot that the people that I was posting to were clients because what I saw on social media was lots of other professionals having conversations about the best way to treat this the best you know how what like all this kind of stuff so I found myself in this horrible black hole of well I can't say that because that's not exactly correct or um you know so I really like that and someone pointed it out to me right at the start said you're not you're not posting for those people you're posting for your clients but how do we get over this I guess fear that our post is going to be seen by another professional and potentially commented on picked apart criticized how do we cope with that if that happens um well I, it's never happened to me once i don't think and um honestly it there are a few ways of dealing with it so if someone's just been a troll for troll's sake just delete them just block them um it's your page if it's your group kick them out it's your page and bear in mind it's not just them that you're having the conversation with Everybody else is seeing how you're dealing with it. So if they're just being inflammatory for being inflammatory's sake, then just kick them out. There's no point having an argument uh, with them. Um, the other thing is, it's um, I think it's worthwhile building your reputation on social media so that if somebody does that, you can be like, hang on, I have been honest and true all of this time. Go look at my post. And anybody who's a genuine follower of yours will go, this guy's a bit unusual, what's his problem? Or this girl's a bit unusual, what's her problem? Um, And they will um, see the real you, if you like, and they'll see this person as just being a bit of a troll. If you say something and perhaps they've got a point, 
then it's a good opportunity to start a conversation. So you could say, I'm really interested in hearing what you've got to say. Thanks for pointing that out. Um, you know, I'm new to this or I'm just learning about this or this is the first time I've posted something like this. Tell me a bit more about your thoughts. Um, and most likely, and I'll say something that could be considered sexist, it's mostly blokes that are having this conversation. It is. That's all I see. I never see a woman... On behalf of blokes everywhere, we're not too offended. It's all right. Okay. <laughs> um, but I never see a woman take down another woman. I never see... Um, it's always guys having a go at each other. Um, and it is often... Um, it's at, again, in the nicest possible way, we're quite small fry. They tend to have a go at someone who has got somewhere to be pulled down from. Do you know what I mean? I'm on the ground, you can't pull me down. can't get any lower. So, do you know what I mean? Having an argument with you is probably going to lift me up a little bit, so go ahead. Um, well, yeah, I mean, they do say there's no such thing as bad publicity, and, and certainly... Yeah. I guess, I don't know, you're going to talk about Adam Meekins, Becky, but I guess that's how he thrives. No, I wasn't at all. No, okay, Actually. fair enough. No, I just, some, sometimes you and I think the same thing at the same time. But um, no, I guess I guess Adam Meekins and, and his social followings, he thrives off that that yeah. combativeness. Um, yeah. and, and I think he very much lives by, uh, when it comes to his social media followings, that there is no such thing as, as bad publicity. If someone's sharing it to have a go, yeah. they've shared it. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's a really good point, though, Katie, as well, because that's another thing that I had to kind of realise, because what I was seeing on social media was arguments between other professionals. But then when you look into it, they have got thousands and thousands of followers. And then I'm thinking, oh, Christ, I can't post anything in case someone has an argument with me. And then I remembered that I had about 100 followers. So it probably wasn't going to happen and didn't I didn't need to be. But you see that happening on that kind of higher level if that's the right way to describe it and you panic it's going to happen to you and actually you forget that you're not yeah probably haven't got ten thousand followers and and all these other professionals aren't following you i guess yeah exactly and uh, like you say about adam meekins he thrives off it so people deliberately put something out there to be divisive and if that's what you've done then great, you only do that if you if you can handle it, if you want that sort of attention, if you want to start a conversation. Um, if you if you can't handle it, then don't put anything out that's really, really divisive. Um, you know, if you're absolutely sure about your facts, and it may well be controversial, but you're absolutely sure about what you're saying, or it's a, a matter of opinion and you're prepared to stand by it, fine, go ahead. You've just got to be prepared to stand up for what you said or to say thank you for sharing I'll rearrange my opinion based on what you said um, but yeah it does um, I'm not Virgin or Coca-Cola or Kardashian or anyone like that no. you are you are to us you are to us you, you post I see your posts far more regularly than I see posts for Coca-Cola at the moment so um I, the, the algorithms on Facebook must have noted that I keep clicking on them and they're like this guy likes Katie. We'll show him more Katie. Exactly, exactly. And that's what you want to do. You just want someone to click on what you're doing and it'll show you more of it. So the more you do it, the more they'll click and then you can, um, you know, put in a call to action post. Call me now. And, and just, just in case, asking for a friend, how do you undo that? <laughs> <laughs> 
that that's a whole other world you've got to sort out for yourself, Matt. <laughs> Although interestingly, I don't know what went on with Facebook's algorithm earlier, but I was watching a video from a um, massage therapist of a massage, and the next video to follow on was somebody playing Call of Duty. I was like, wow, that's a big that leap. Is a big leap. <laughs> Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> So, Katie, we normally do on the podcast a little theory to practice. So something that therapists can kind of listen to this and go away straight away and, and, and do. So I'm going to be a right horrible person now and say, regarding therapists on social media, what would be your three big tips for therapists on social media? Tips. Um, get a video. Just start doing videos. It doesn't matter what you say. Hi everyone, do that one. Hi, and this, by the way, the reason I'm waving at the camera for those of you that can't see is because it catches your eye. Something wafting catches your eye, so people will stop. Uh, just start doing videos because Facebook likes them and Instagram likes them. I think. Um, if you hate social media, just post once a fortnight or once a month so that people know you're alive. Uh, and just pick one platform that you like and stick with it and forget about the rest um, but pick the one that your ideal clients are going to go for so if your ideal clients are 18 year old ballet dancers that are training to be in the I don't know royal ballet then you probably want to be on TikTok um, if like me you've got 52 year old gardeners who are getting ready to retire then you probably want to be on Facebook perfect Katie thank you so much I think there's so much useful information in there that's that's absolutely amazing. So thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your experience and your wisdom. And you are, you've set up this, this course. Um, do you want to just mention about that quickly? Oh yeah, thank you. And thank you for having me. It's been great. Um, so kickstart your STT business, your soft tissue therapist business. Vinika and I from the ISRM, um, we're helping anyone, anyone in the STT business, but it is especially for people who are just getting started or who are fairly established and are just struggling to get consistency, especially in these days, these times. Um, and it's about learning what your values are, what's important to you and how to get that across to your clients. Um, money mindset, which is a really important one in terms of not just how to set your prices, but why that's important in terms of um, setting out what kind of therapist you are, setting you apart from other therapists, but also for people who've never been self-employed, accepting money, asking for money can be a real barrier. Um, and um, things about self-worth, so making sure that you can stand your ground as a therapist and stand up for what you believe in and put yourself out there in the marketing world, but also put you in a place where you can absolutely give your all to your clients and not think that you're depleting yourself, not think that um, you know, you're giving away too much of yourself, uh, that you can properly look after them um, and still have 100% of yourself. And that is really important for personal services like what we offer because you know, we can't get more personal than a STT treatment. So where can people go and find out a little bit more about you and find links to the uh, applications for that course, for example? Um, so if you go on the ISRM Facebook group, uh, search for my name and you'll find all the posts that I put up. And in amongst them, I've just done one today, there's an application form. Click on that, fill in your details, 
um, and we'll call you. It doesn't mean that you're applying for the course. It just means that we'll call you. We can have a discussion. You can find out more about it and whether it's the kind of thing that you want to do. It's a day course on Zoom. So it, we did it over three days, but we uh, over three couple of hour sessions, but we decided one day would be a lot better. Um, um, so yeah, the application forms on the Facebook group. ISRM. And if people aren't in the ISRM, where might they find you? Ooh, good question. So if you go onto our website, handsonhealthsheffield.com, you'll find our phone number and give us a call, ask to speak to me and um, I'll help you out. Fantastic. Katie, that's been fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Have a lovely evening. And that's it for us this week. Thank you very much for joining us once again. Like, follow, share, all of that good stuff. You know what to do. Come and find us particularly on Facebook. We love interacting with everyone and find out what you thought, if you've got any ideas for things you would like us to speak on in the future. And until next time, take care.